Thomas Green here with Ethical Marketing Service. On the podcast today, we have Tizer Evans. Tizer, welcome. Thanks, Thomas. Happy to be here. It is my pleasure. Would you like to take a moment and tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So uh, my name is Tizer Evans. I'm stoked to be talking to everybody today. I'm a California native who ended up in uh, Houston, Texas. I've uh, been in insurance sales for a long time. Um, also do some sales consulting, also run a podcast. Um, also, every once in a while, she lets me help my wife run her business. Uh, she's an entrepreneur. Uh, got a, we've got a couple kids, two young boys and three dogs, and uh, we stay busy. Well, I was going to talk to you about sales today because, um, I mean, that was what's planned. But then I checked out the YouTube channel, and there's just loads of people that we both follow. So, I mean, you got uh, you got your book reviews, which I thought, thought were cool. Yeah, um, it's, there's Zig Ziglar, Les Brown, uh, Darren Hardy, and Jocko Willink. Um, what's your, I don't know, what's your approach and what's your background to self-development? You know, I, I was I was late in the game. I've always been a reader and um, someone that's pushed myself and, and been driven. Uh, but when I got into my, my 30s, I, I think it was when I had a, my first son, I was 30. And I... I needed to find another gear. You know, I started making really good money pretty young at, at 25, a couple of years out of college. And um, I still felt like I was kind of stuck. And so I, I started, uh, I forget who introduced me to my first book that I, I think it was my aunt. She introduced me to Napoleon Hill. And, and so I read, you know, Think and Grow Rich. And then that kind of spurred me to get into some other books and personal development. And then just hopped on YouTube and started following people like you see my 10X at like Cardone. And um, yeah, man, it just, it kind of just kind of spun from there. Where I was like, wow, there's a whole nother gear that I need to tap into. And these people, you know, success leaves clues. And so I don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, I'm never going to be able to talk to these guys, maybe one day, but, uh, you know, not right now. So, but they've got, you know, YouTube and books and I can learn and absorb and they can be mentors from afar for me. You got any favorites? Yeah, for sure. You know, I would say I, I follow Grant's material, uh, the closest Grant Cardone. I really just bought in. I think, you know, the, the only thing that people have to be wary of is that when you get too hardcore into personal development, you can, uh, Get a lot of conflicting messages and it makes you feel you know a little more confused so i, I really try to stick to a couple people where i really follow and buy into their way of doing things and, and grants one of them um you know i'm an investor in cardone capital i've been to the 10x growth cons i've done his boot camps um, ed mylet's another one that i follow really closely i've been in a california guy and and it's really impressive we have some synergies with uh, the type of industries we've been into um, but I, I love following les brown too um, I love his message. Uh, just, just so positive. So those are, you know, probably the three guys I follow the most. Um, and Brad Lee recently is a guy that I've been really into listening to. Okay. And what would you say are the, you say top things that you've learned that you have learned from Grant Cardone? That you know, it's to not be scared of making a lot of money and scared of wealth. I grew up lower middle class. And, a, you know, the, the term that was used in my house a lot was we're financially embarrassed. And so, you know, a lot of us have really bad relationships with money. And because you I had a lot or because you had a little? Because we had a little. Okay. And, and so it was just coming from this total scarcity uh, type of mindset. And, um, 
you know, always being concerned about how much is in my account, being concerned of how much dinner is going to cost, you know, how much my car is going to cost, how much I put in my gas tank, always being obsessed and worried about money doesn't attract money. And so Grant, you know, his way of, of thinking about money was like, hey, you're being selfish by not wanting to go out and make a lot. Because if you don't make a lot, then you can't help people and you can't serve people. And so that really helped me kind of reframe my relationship with money. Um, the 10x mentality of not just 10xing your efforts at work, but my relationship with my wife, the relationship with my children, with my parents, um, with my spirituality, with myself. So I, I really like that. And Zig talks about that, you know, hitting the core pillars of life and having goals aligned with them, um, having goals that are so big, you have to grow into them, you know. Uh, I used to set goals I knew I could I could achieve, and they were super unfulfilling. And it kind of always made me feel stuck. So now I, I place goals out there that seem like they'll be impossible to hit uh, because it forces me to level up my skill set. In order to 10x. There you go. <laughs> so are you happy to share your goals at the moment? Yeah, sure. You know, so I'll, I'll, I write down my big goals every morning. Uh, I've got a little 10x planner here. So I'll I'll uh, I'll read them to you. So, you know, currently one of my goals is to become a vice president of sales uh, to be worth uh, $10 million by the time I'm 45, uh, to run um, a globally known podcast where I get to over a million downloads, to get that back down to 185 my college weight, you know, COVID, COVID hasn't been kind to me. Uh, hasn't been kind to many, right? Yeah, right. And then to um, own a large real estate portfolio of 500 doors. And, and so those are the goals I write down every day. And then I set up my targets to associate with those goals. And how are you getting on with them? I'm getting, I'm getting uh, as far as how am I tracking? Uh, well, I guess it depends on how new they are, I suppose. But how would you feel like your progress is? Yeah, I'm feeling good. You know, um, I'm uh, right there as far as the top one with um, a couple of different uh, uh, promotions. Um, you know, I've, I've been involved in a lot of activities with our company uh, that has kind of held, elevated me and put me into a spotlight. I do, I do a lot more than is required or asked of me. So um, I'm very confident uh, this year that, that the promotion will happen. Um, yeah, very close to now uh, at 36, uh, seven figure net worth. Um, so that should help to escalate, right? The compound interest of all of my investments. I'm very uh, disciplined with how I allocate my money. Podcast is going good. Um, you know, it's, it's growing. I think it's, it hit 64 different countries, which is, you know, global. Um, downloads are looking a lot better. Uh, we've been able to 10X that the last year. Um, I'm down to 205, so i got 20 more pounds. And um, I put money in Cardone Capital and... Uh, I've had a call last week and I have another call today about some real estate properties in California. Almost feel like an applause is due after that. Yeah, thank you, man. I, I you know, I write them down every day because it's important. So it just reminds me of my mission and what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish. Good. The uh, the interesting thing for me, anyway, is um, is the podcast stuff. How long have you been doing that um, for? And what would you say is the? You said you 10x it. What would you say is the main uh, reason for the growth. So yeah, I've been doing it three years, and um, I I just did it to be you know pretty much altruistic. I figured out how to make a, a good amount of money in sales, and um, I've noticed that you know managing hundreds of salespeople and uh, 
mentoring a lot of salespeople and being around them, a lot of people just struggle. You know, 90, 95% of salespeople, unfortunately, just not very good. And so I wanted to give back. And so I just put it out there, the podcast, I just put it out there. And I was like, hey, man, whoever listens, listens, you know. And it was just kind of like, they find me, they find me. If they don't, they don't. And then I kind of said, you know, well, what's the point of putting out the effort if I'm not going to intentionally try to find the right type of people? You know what I mean? It was, it was kind of short-sighted. So then it was just um, being more intentional about mentioning it on social media, uh, you know, running promotions, uh, building a website out where the podcast is included, driving traffic to it, um, uh, getting a chance to speak to other audiences like this, you know, which is really great for exposure. Uh, so just, you know, being more tactical about my approach with uh, getting my name out there more. Okay. And um, you, is it, it's a good time to ask you about the sales because you mentioned it. You said that. 95% of people struggle with sales. Um, what do you think that they're doing wrong? What's the main thing that people tend to get wrong about sales? Well, they come into sales with the limiting belief system. You know, like I was talking about, you know, um, so they, they're already uh, in a bad position when they start. Uh, a lot of people, they take a sales job. The company they work for doesn't provide accurate, uh, adequate sales training. So they kind of come in and they go, hey, here's your product and I hit the phones and people, you know, they don't take it upon themselves outside of work to go and develop new skills, it, which is, you know, you got to you got to have a classroom outside of work um, because, you know, if you're not getting the help you need from management or your senior leadership, then you got to go find it. Right. That's, you know, the, the part I love about, you know, you mentioned Jocko is extreme ownership. You have to own your craft. Not a lot of people want to invest the time in doing that. A lot of people struggle with confidence. If you're not confident in what you're selling, it's very hard to exude that confidence and your conviction to other people. Hmm. And then lastly, people don't have a game plan. They don't have a formula. So, you know, the, the average sales rep falls up less than three times. And statistically, to reach a prospect for the first time, you're going to need to make five to 12 cold calls or emails or outreaches and then to close your first deal, you're going to need to have another five to eight times that you follow up. So you could be 20 contacts in before you ever close a deal. And most sales reps aren't following up more than three times. Okay. Well, the, um, the next question, of course, normally is um, what would you, uh, what are the three main things you'd recommend people do? And that's one of them, right? So follow up. Is there something else that you would advise someone do if they're in a sales position? Yeah, absolutely. You got to start to understand your metrics. If you don't understand your metrics, you have no way of holding yourself accountable. So, you know, what I'm really big on is, you know, uh, I would say numbers don't lie, right? <laughs> they just don't lie. So you have to understand your conversion or your closing ratio, right? You have to understand your sales process. So what we do is like in our sales process, there's kind of four parts to it. So I break down every part and I show my guys their conversion ratio. You know, how many calls does it take you to get um, what we call an RFP, a you know, request for a proposal? And then we look at the other steps involved and we go, okay, you know, well, it takes you 37 calls to get one RFP, right? And we know your end goal is to write X amount of policies. So we, we start at the back end. How many policies do you want to write this month? Because that'll be tied to your money, right? I want to make X amount of money. Then we break that out. How many policies that equate? Well, once you have the policy number, then you understand your conversion ratios and you go, okay, well, to write X amount, I need to have X amount of demos. X amount of demos from X amount of RFPs and X amount of RFPs from calls. So once you back your way into it, you realize, okay, well, to get one RFP, I got to make 37 calls. I need statistically to have at least 
you know, 85 RFPs this month in order to hit the 35 demos. And out of the 35 demos, it's going to close the eight policies I need to hit my income goal. So a lot of reps aren't cognizant of this process. And so they kind of just shoot from the hip thinking they're doing enough. But once you have the numbers broke out, it gives you, you're in control of your own destiny. You want a 10% raise, you do 10% more calls, mm. right? And, and that's where a lot of a lot of people go, go wrong is not uh, understanding their metrics. And then secondly, they don't hold themselves accountable. Yeah. Great answer. Um, I don't know much about Grant. I haven't done much of his content, uh, but my interpretation of some of the, because I follow some other people and obviously he goes on their, um, mm -hmm. their podcast, for example, my interpretation of it is he's a volume guy. So um, you were quite scientific about your approach, but um, do, you, do you agree with that? That he, My understanding is that he's just massive volume in everything he's doing. Yeah, you know, hit one of his great sayings that I love too is your problem is obscurity in sales, right? It's just like your problem is that nobody knows you. So we definitely take the approach, you know, my office last year in COVID, we grew 65%. Uh, we had a, we, we increased our revenue eight figures. And the way that we were able to do that in the middle of a pandemic was that we had, you know, that term omnipresent. My guys were just anywhere and everywhere. And we just did, we 10 x our volume. You know, a lot of people retracted and retreated. I said, Hey, uh, we've still got a job to do. I'm not going to decrease our goal. We're just going to increase our efforts and double down. So yeah, it, absolutely. But understanding the baseline metrics, it gives you a starting point with where you want to accomplish. Well, you mentioned um, having big goals. And I've, I've spoken to a couple of people about the, the idea of, you know, it can be quite, um, it can, you can deter you from, from meeting your goals if you don't break them down. So you've got your big goal, but you've also got the small steps in order to get there, right? Correct. Yeah, you got to draw yourself a roadmap or, it, you know, it'll be very frustrating. So what's your, your company's insurance? Is that right? Yeah. So I work for a Fortune 100 company. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And you enjoy that? Yeah, man. It's, it's uh, the thing about insurance. It's not sexy. It's, it's not very fun, but it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, you got to stay up to date on legislation, um, you know, competition. It's a probably... Uh, maybe outside of tech, the most competitive uh, market in, in the country. I think there's more dollars spent on insurance advertising than any other industry in the United States. So it's wildly competitive. Um, and it's you learn something new every day, which I enjoy. Good. And your podcast, um, let's say it does get to, do uh, you say it was a million subscribers? Downloads. Downloads. Yeah. What happens then? You go to 10 million. <laughs> it doesn't allow you to do anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that at that, you know, when you get to certain levels, as you know, you can start to monetize it if that's your thing, if, if you want to do that. There's uh, another, it's another uh, income stream. You know, I try to look at, especially with wanting to build a, a real estate portfolio, that's to have passive income. You know, my goal is to um, be completely, I mean, I, I would say in the sense I'm already financially free. But, you know, when I'm 55, I want to be like checked out if I want to be checked out, you know, I don't want to have to work. And, and so I look at different ways. Uh, you know, I love to be, Hey, the money I make from podcasting just goes right into real estate and that pays all my bills every month. Um, so I don't know. I just think that one, you know, the more people are listening, the more of an impact I'm having and the more I'm giving back to others. And if that turns into opportunities by way of, uh, other career paths or, uh, monetizing the podcast, then cool. 
yeah, I mean, I'm open for anything. That's actually a really good way to look at it because um, if you go into it just thinking about the value for the other person, then I would imagine it's much more sustainable that way. That's what it's been, man. It's been uh, it's been three years of uh, me learning how to edit and uh, make YouTube videos and thumbnails and and uh, all for free, you know. Um, and, and I love getting uh, messages back with uh, DMs or people sending me emails saying, "Hey, you know, this really impacted me," or "I watch your Instagram stories because it motivates me, it gives me extra drive." You know, that that's for me uh, really it fills me up, so to speak. Good. And uh, you mentioned Les Brown a couple of times. I'm a big fan. Anything that you picked up from him that you would share? He just, he's had to overcome and endure and be resilient. And, um, you know, he's one of those guys that he never made an excuse why he couldn't accomplish something in his life. Uh, whether that was, you know, becoming a radio DJ, uh, you know, being part of the Congress, you know, being one of the world's best motivational speakers. You know, he's, he's really had an incredible life, uh, but where he started and where he's come is just one of those true stories, especially what he went through, you know, with segregation here back in the 60s and 50s and whatnot. Um, I think he's 75, 76. So he's lived a long life where he's seen a lot. And he's had to endure and overcome a lot. And I, I appreciate those people that don't have a victim mentality. They just own their circumstances and they persevere. Mm. Yeah, it's a good message. I've been thinking about something in relation to sales, and you can tell me whether it's a perception thing or not. Sure. My perception of the concept of the salesperson is that people are trying to, I don't know, marginalize or um, work a way around having sales and make it completely automated. So whether it's an app or whether it's e-commerce website or whatever it might be, it's kind of trying not to have that person, I think, to the detriment, because if you can't speak to someone, then you're probably going to make less sales as a result of that. Do you see that as a, a real thing or is that just a perception issue with me? No, I think it's true. I think a lot of companies are looking at how can we automate, you know, how can we move faster um, without necessarily having a sales force, right? You know, how can we set up a funnel and through that funnel, you know, we, we go and we film a, a 10 minute YouTube video that explains the value prop and what you're going to gain from these courses. You drop into the funnel, we'll do, you know, send you 30 emails a day. Uh, as a as a nurturing campaign and all that's right all that's effective but at the end of the day people buy people and you may sell somebody um, on your course uh, you can sell somebody on your product good or service by having automated systems um, but at the end of the day I don't think that that will ever create loyalty I think people create loyalty when you can have human to human connection and you like for me people aren't buying like you know the insurance they're buying me. And at the end of the day, when you remove me from the situation, it's very hard to create loyalty with repeat business. Uh, I could be totally wrong, but that's just the way I view it. It reminds me of um, commoditizing things. So, you know, if, if everything's a commodity, then you don't really have to work that hard in trying to see how different something is or whatever it might be. Whereas if you've got someone on the other end of the phone, like you say, you've got a relationship with them, then it makes it unique in a way. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about the USP? The USP. Unique selling proposition. Oh, 
Okay, I haven't heard that acronym. Uh, yeah, you know, everyone's everyone's got to have a differentiator. You know, that's what I call it, I guess. Um, and and it's interesting. I got asked uh, when I was uh, having a podcast with somebody, and they were saying, "Well, how do you differentiate? You know, between like cell phone companies?" I go, "Right, like that's hard. Like you see a lot of companies doing a really bad job of that with their sales force, where they're not doing a good job of doing their homework and clearly identifying." their unique value proposition for their sales force. So the sales force goes out into the, the ethos and they're quote unquote providing value, but the value is no different than the competition that called in 15 minutes before you. So companies need to do a lot better really identifying. And it's, you know, it can be very hard uh, what your uh, differentiator is. And then you have to lean on that a lot to be able to provide value and insights to the people you're trying to reach. Hmm. That's a good point. And um, the last person I wanted to ask you about, which is we've mentioned um, somewhat previously, is Jocko. Um, have you consumed a lot of that content? Yeah, I've, I've read um, at least at least three of his books. I can I can remember off the top of my my head. I didn't know how cool the book was because I I listened to it on audio, so I don't buy them like you do. So I looked at the book and I thought that looks so cool. I should probably get that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's great. I've read uh, Discipline Equals Freedom, Extreme Ownership, and um, his his new one, Leadership Strategy and Tactics. Um, yeah, and I love it. You know, I listen to his podcast uh, pretty often, and uh, I love li- listen to his videos on uh, YouTube a lot. A lot of workout content from Jocko. So <laughs> I feel like, I feel like we're friends. <laughs> that would be one of those goals, right? Yeah. Well, one of the things which I found with self development is um it made first of all you said you got into it quite late first of all i you know there was loads of things which are just um you know just so profound like this book is amazing i've learned so much but as you get onward and onward you know as you get more informed about self-development information you pick up less and less so it's like a um, diminishing returns type thing have you found that at all when you're devouring self-development information I try to be very cognizant of looking at uh, books that are in areas that I, I haven't read on. Um, you know, so I, I try to have a broad spectrum uh, of what I read. And a lot of times too, you know, like you have like your self-development gurus, like the ones we kind of talked about. But I like reading books that, you know, on spirituality too, um, that will give me a different perspective on self-development, you know, uh, like uh, Sadhguru. Um, you know, I've read his book, Inner Engineering, which was one that really stuck with me um, last year. I like reading Marianne Williamson and listening to her talks um, on you know, The Course of Miracles. So I think that, yeah, it, it, it can if you're listening to a lot of the guys that have the same messages in a different way. You're not really picking up anything different. So I try to look for different out- outlets, um, the people that wouldn't be in that same wheelhouse to continue to, to do some work. Mm. That's a good point. Um, I wanted to ask you something about, um, you said that you had a, growing up, you had a, a mindset issue around money. Um, did you find that that went away incrementally or was it something that you picked up from a book and it just, you know, snapped, snapped out of it in a way? No, definitely incrementally. Um, for me, the, the more I've made and, I, and I've started to scale up, um, it kind of like chips away at it, you know, where I'm like, Hey, I am worth this. I am worth this. I am worth this. 
Um, and even, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, we're redoing my backyard right now. And, and my wife and I grew up very different. Her dad is a serial entrepreneur and wildly successful. And, and, uh, she, and she grew up uh, pretty wealthy. And so we come from different mindsets, right? So my wife's like, oh, yeah, 30 grand for the backyard, no problem. And I'm like, holy shit, $30,000 for the backyard? Like, oh, my God. You're like, no, you know, I could buy a car for that. You know, and so and my wife's like, what do, you, what do you mean? It's like not that much money. It's not a big deal. Like, what do you – and I was having a real hard time, like, conceptualizing spending that type of money in my backyard, although it makes really no difference to us and, and, and impacts our life in no way. And so that, to me, was like my old story coming up again, right? And I had to really sit with that and go, man, why is this making you feel insecure, dude? Like, where is this coming from? And then kind of like work through that, you know, for myself. Well, because you um, were in that position when you were younger, um, does it make you think about philanthropy um, a lot? Because I kind of feel like some people do have that where they're like, I know how it feels to be in this position. And now that I've, that I've done well, you know, I'm in the position to do things for other people it makes me think of tony robbins which um have you done much tony robbins yeah yeah absolutely um you know one actually one of the more life-changing books about money that i read was money master the game by tony robbins i mean it was uh man it's it's like a financial bible uh, mm. and, and, and i love listening to uh his stuff i haven't attended any of his events but i, I really want to okay um because he does this whole um Every year he feeds however many millions of people or something like that. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, you know, I, and I and I definitely am right there with you. Um, you know, I've always been um, what do they call that? A, a pledge giver with United Way. Um, uh, I've done that uh, several times over the last ten years. Uh, currently, the two things I do I donate to um, monthly are the door, uh, Doctors Without Borders and then the Underground Railway, which is to help children that are trafficking. Uh, are being trafficked. I'm really passionate about that. If you follow me on Instagram um, or social media, you see I, I post about that, talk about that often. And just, you know, being a father of two small boys, um, it rips my heart out of my chest to know that 85% of the kids that are trafficked across the world done by their parents. And, and so, and a lot of it's happening in our own backyard and people aren't aware of it. Um, so, you know, those are two, two causes, you know, it's, give to third world countries where people can't just get clean water or basic, you know, medical care. So I give money to that. And then, to, you know, to help uh, the fight uh, and, and trafficking. Hmm. Well, uh, you mentioned your Instagram stuff. So we go from a, a serious topic to, I've, I've referred to it as quite a shallow topic, but right. <laughs> people, uh, I mean, you've got a good Instagram following, right? Yeah, it's not bad. I've been at it for a couple of years. Um, how, how did you go about doing that? Consistency. I mean, I know it, everybody says it, but it's just really a showing up, being consistent. Um, you know, I, I've taken some courses from uh, people as well about, you know, how to brand yourself appropriately. So if you look at like my Instagram and my, my YouTube or my Facebook, you'll see a very consistent theme of colors and topics. Um, and I try to be as authentic, authentic as, as possible. Um, I'm just always that way. You know, I have a pretty bad potty mouth. I'm kind of like Gary Vee and I swear in front of my kids. It just, I'm always myself. And so when I show up on Instagram, you know, I don't care if you don't always like my opinion. Uh, and I think that that resonates with a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Um, Gary Vee is another one that, um, of course, he's big on 
well, I suppose he's been on a lot of social platforms. Have you picked up anything from him? Other than yeah. the potty mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read his book, Crushing It, and, and that was very helpful um, to, to think about. You know, the biggest thing, right, we mentioned TikTok, right? And and, and that's why I, I kind of kicked myself in the ass about TikTok because, you know, I took a big takeaway from him is what you have to keep your – you know, that Gretzky quote, you know, don't play where the puck is, play where the puck's going to be. And so always keeping your eye on the ball, what's evolving, what's coming, where are we going to be looking in, in 24 months, you know, where, what's trending out there. And like using TikTok or, you know, which used to, I think used to be Musical.ly, like I should have been on that from day one as a land grab, as he calls it, and I didn't. And so that slowed down my progress with making connections with more people on there. So that's a big thing from him is always pay attention to trends and, and try to hedge that. Uh, like Clubhouse right now, right? Like everybody's raving about Clubhouse. And that I, I did get on quickly, but I've done a poor job of jumping on there and and, uh, and connecting with people. Well, um, the, the the thing with me and TikTok, um, which I think I probably, same as you. So I was thinking at the, at the time, you know, stupid TikTok, you know, why bother with it? You know, all that kind of stuff. And then I did listen to Gary's uh, information and I thought you know what just because there are people dancing on there which you're not going to see me dancing on TikTok um, doesn't mean that you have to use it that way so I put out my normal information like so I might cut out a minute from our talk or something and I'll put it on TikTok and if people want to consume that information they can and if they want to see a video about dancing then you know that's not really my audience. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, you can use it for whatever you want, and you know, eventually you're going to find your tribe. Uh, you know, well, I haven't heard of Clubhouse though. What's Clubhouse? So Clubhouse is an application where you basically uh, you get in, and there's like these chat rooms where people are speaking live about a certain topic. So like Grant Cardone has like a 10x uh, room, so you can jump in, and maybe Grant will be there, or Elena, or, or Jared, or you know, Brandon Dawson. And they'll be talking about a specific topic. So you've got like a, it's, it's really kind of creative. You get in and there's just like these different rooms. So there'll be like a marketing room. And you may have like, they call moderators. So there'll be like four people that are like leading the discussion. And then you can jump in and listen to the discussion between all the moderators. And then they'll open it up for questions. So it's great as a platform because you can jump in there. Like me, I can get into Cardone's room. And if Grant is taking questions, and I can fire off questions to him right over the, the platform, which is super cool. Mm. Are you allowed to use that or, I don't know, in theory, would you want to use that type of content for your channel? So could you take one of those, I don't know, you ask a question and then Grant responds, could you take that and put that on your YouTube channel? No, I don't think there's a way to record it. You'd have to probably already, you know, do the phone, iPhone recording ahead of time. Okay. Yeah, so I don't think there's a way to, to get to pull the information off of uh, Clubhouse. So that's the only uh, downfall, kind of what's, it's just all live. So, like, you know, what stays there kind of stays there. Okay. Well, one of the things, because you mentioned Grant, um, one of the things that I've seen recently, and I'm not sure it's quite on the same level because it's not really about making connections, but have you seen Cameo yet? Yeah. So uh, one, of, one of the guys on my sales team uh, bought me a Cameo from Grant for my birthday last year. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very much then because, yeah, yeah, he's on there. Yeah, that was it, it was pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it was a 20-second clip of him saying happy birthday. And uh, I wore a little wristband that says no days off. And so, he, you know, he referenced that too. So it was pretty cool. That is cool. 
All right. Well, um, have you got anything that you um, think is valuable that we haven't discussed today that you would like to share? You know, always my message to everybody um, is that so many of us live in a, in a state of fear. And a lot of people, what's holding them back is just the fear of the unknown. And um, I've, I've been through that several times in my life. Um, even with this job, I was living in Southern California. I was making six figures and, you know, my wife owned a business out there and she was doing great. And, uh, and we decided we want to move back to the East coast for a lot of different reasons uh, and get out of California. And I had to, I had to start over like my career. And that was super scary to go from making multiple six figures to taking a, a job where I was paid uh, $47,500. <laughs> Oh, and I in and moving across the country went from California to Georgia, and I just know for me, and it worked out way way better than I ever could have imagined. But my message to people is: every time you get that gut check where you're like, "I can't do that," that's the thing you should do. And if you can lean in and walk into that fear, the reward on the other side is gonna is gonna feel incredible and amazing, and it'll continue to level up your life the more you can lean into that fear. It's a great point. Um, it reminds me, you said gut check. Um, I feel like we've, we've talked a lot about a lot of self-development people. Um, did you ever see any Greg Plitt? Uh-uh. Okay. Well, um, it's, uh, you know, he's not around anymore. Um, uh, but he was a, he was a bodybuilding guy, but he did, he got basically very well known for all his self-development philosophy. So if you're ever looking for any, I don't know, inspiration or someone new to listen to, it would be someone old technically. But um, I'd recommend Greg Plitt. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Zig's not uh, not relevant here. He's not living anymore. <laughs> I, so we can still learn from him. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate that. I definitely will check him out. Okay. Um, where's the best place for people to find you, Tizer? Uh, you can uh, head over to my website, TizerEvans.com. It is a great place to connect with me and, and, and content. Um, all of my social media handles are Tizer, at TizerEvans. So you can find me on any platform uh, just by my name. And is it right you do sales coaching or mentoring? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I've done a, a little bit with businesses, but mostly with just individuals who reach out to me and I'll uh, work with them for, you know, usually 90 days and do weekly calls, uh, 30, 30 to 60 minutes. And again, it's just helping them get a... Uh, a game plan in place, you know, understanding their metrics, helping them set up sales sequences, how to loop proper voicemails, um, those types of things. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on and being a great guest. Thomas, I appreciate it, man. You've been great to talk to you. Great questions. Thank you so much. That's my pleasure. I'll speak to you soon.